For the Athletic Podcast Network, I'm Kate Scott. This is the update. On today's show, 49ers offensive assistant Katie Sowers has been called a lot of things over the last few years. A trailblazer, a role model, a hero. But to our guest, she's always simply been Katie. A look back at the inspiring journey of the first woman to ever coach in a Super Bowl through the eyes of her mom, Bonnie. It's Wednesday, February 19th. Well, Bonnie, I love getting a picture of where the person I'm talking to is. So I currently am in a little closet studio that we built in my house in Oakland, California. My dog is on her bed right outside my door. So apologies in advance if she barks. So where are you right now? Paint a little picture for us of where we're chatting with you. I am sitting back in Floyd in my bedroom, and I have a nice little chair back here in a place where I have a journal and I do some writing, and uh, I have the doors closed so that the dogs are out there. I have one dog that's kind of needy that when I'm on the phone, (laughs) she likes to be petted and nuzzle up, so I'm just kind of secluded back in our bedroom here in Overland Park, Kansas. Okay, Overland Park, Kansas. I think that that was an important thing for people to hear because I think that that's where we have to start, Bonnie. The fact that your daughter, one of the many great stories of the 49ers' fantastic 2019 season, is a Kansas native. (laughs) How did you end up in in Overland Park? I know you were in Heston, Kansas for a while, Bonnie. How did you end up there? Yes, we were in uh, Heston. Uh, Really, I grew up in Heston. Um, met Floyd out in Indiana uh, at my college in Goshen. And then uh, we came back to Heston in 70. And essentially, I've lived there in Kansas since 1970. And if my research is correct, Bonnie, you, you then raised three girls in Kansas. Katie is an identical twin. So you got Katie, her twin sister, Liz, and uh, I believe Stephanie as well. What memories do you have of your trio growing up? Were they all into sports? Yes. So Stephanie is four years older than the twins. And so um, they they were an active bunch. Oh, my. <laughs> her hands full for lots of years. Uh and, and memories of them, I think, you know, Steph was always a little bit on the outside. You know, she, it's, I think it's a little hard to be a sister to two identical twins, especially, mm-hmm. maybe. But those two were often playing together, had friends in common. Steph would have her own friends, but often, you know, separate from them. And then the four years made quite a difference. As right. they have grown, they have, of course, become much closer as sisters, all three of them. Now, I've heard Katie tell the story uh, of keeping a journal in elementary school, and the journal was all about football. Literally everything that I wrote about in my school journals was about (laughs) going and playing football. Everything was surrounding tackling, how good I want to be. I want to play on a real team. I mean, it was all about football, but it was just a natural love. Why was that, Bonnie? Were you a big football family? You know, my husband, I I would say, is. I mean, he loves football. He loves sports, basketball, football, and we we would have football on a lot on television. I grew to love football. I didn't necessarily early on understand much about it, mm-hmm. but the girls were interested in football, and my my nephews, their cousins, especially the boys, would love to get them out there because you know they were they're pretty athletic. Both twins, they were strong. They could <laughs> throw that football, and they could tussle and 
not get hurt. And so they played a lot with their cousins in the backyard. And I think that really got them excited about football. That makes sense. Yeah, I was I was wondering if growing up, because I was always out there playing with other kids. I know that was another time, but I know that Katie and Liz were growing up then. So they were out there throwing the ball around with the boys? Oh, yes, with the boys. And then they would, when our cousins weren't around, they'd call their own friends, especially the boys. They said they don't know why they didn't call the girls, but they called the boys to come play and get a teams together, especially Sunday afternoons. They'd have their little list and they'd call everyone and get together and play in the backyard of our house. We had about an acre. And so they'd often play back there and just just loved it and thrived on it. Literally after every Sunday dinner. So my grandma would make this big Sunday dinner after church. And my twin sister and I would go to my grandma's room in the back and just list out all of the, the neighbor kids. And we would literally go through every kid. And I remember calling them on, you know, the phones with the cords and yeah. and we'd call every single one. Most of them couldn't come out and play or they claimed they couldn't come out and play. But we'd, we'd get as many as we could and, and we'd have a game every Sunday. I remember their heroes, their, you know, Emmett Smith and Deion Sanders and uh, Katie even went to school one time. You're supposed to come dressed as one of your favorite characters, and she came as Deion Sanders. And <laughs> his, as in character as if she were Deion Sanders. So that was, I remember that very vividly. Oh, my goodness. But I'm confused, Bonnie. I mean, I thought she, wasn't she a Chiefs fan growing up in Kansas? You know, they liked the Chiefs, but early on, she was a Cowboys, Dallas Cowboys. Oh, my but goodness. Yeah, and Liz really liked the Broncos, and she was like, you know, L.A. (laughs) She'd had his jersey, and, you know, so, but, uh, and then even in the journal, uh, Liz at one point talked about the 49ers players, you know, I remember reading that in her journals about some of that, I forget who the, you know, if it was Steve Young or who, but she was, she was writing about some of the 49er players. They weren't necessarily Chiefs fans from the get-go. Okay. moved when they got a little older and lived in Kansas City. Definitely Chiefs fans. That was after college. Now, Bonnie, I'm just going to reflect back to you that girls, you know, playing football, being supported and told, yes, do what you want. It wasn't as common a place 20 years ago as it is now, right? Why were you so accepting of your girls doing something that maybe not that many other girls around were doing? I think I thought earlier it was a phase. (laughs) (laughs) I knew they were athletic. I thought it was a phase. I really never thought either one of them would have any opportunity in football because I did. I had no clue that there were women's leagues. I don't know when the women's leagues started, but I did not know that. Mm-hmm. You know, years ago, probably been ten or fifteen years that I finally become aware that women, you know, are in the football world and have yeah. opportunities. But I thought it was a phase and it would pass, and it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and then when they when they joined the women's uh, the football alliance, I uh, went to play for the Michigan Mayhem. It was kind of a shock. I was like, "Wow, you know, <laughs> is this what is this?" And I found out, you know, there are teams all across the United States. And Floyd and I just got really excited and came up here to about every game. Well, we went to Michigan, saw a few games there. But then when they played for Kansas City, we. We hated to miss a home game. We'd drive up from Heston for most of the games. Wow, I love that. Now, now she didn't play football in high school, right? What what sports was she playing in high school and college? She played volleyball, both of them, volleyball, basketball, and then they did track and field. 
we had a softball team and they wanted to play on that too, but it conflicted with track and field. So they did that in college. She did soccer too. Uh, when her eligibility for basketball was up, she did soccer and then track and field also through the javelin. And I think she has, she has the Goshen College record in javelin throwing from her college days. Uh, oh, my goodness. Maybe does. Yeah, so she, they, they just loved every every sport they could find. We talked about the high school coach asking them if they wanted to come out for football and and. The girl said, we don't know if he was serious or not. Really? He knew how athletic they were. Yeah, and he, he was an assistant coach for basketball. This Edelhart was his name. But they, at that time, of course, didn't see any future there for college. And they stayed with volleyball. I think it was the competing sport. And they, they stuck with volleyball. So, yeah, I don't know if he was serious or not. <laughs> <laughs> but there was an offer way back when. Okay. We I think so, yeah. But, <laughs> that's great. There was an offer. <laughs> so it sounds like sports are life, and she's loving every bit of it. I, I know that her athletic talents get her to and through college. She plays basketball. She's captain of the college basketball team. And then when her four years of eligibility are up, she asks her college coach if she can stay on with the program as a volunteer assistant. And he says no because of her sexuality. So I had just finished up my basketball career. So I was on my victory lap and I started playing track and field for fun. And I also was thinking, well, I need, I really want to get my coaching career started. Okay. So I went to my basketball coach actually, who had given me, you know, I, I was a team captain all the years that I had played. I was a leader on the team. And I, and I knew that they were low on staff. They were low on practice players. And I, I, I actually emailed them and I said, would this be an opportunity where I could be a volunteer coach? I didn't even think that there was, you know, a chance for a no, but he responded saying just to come into his office to talk about it. And what he told me was that uh, because of my lifestyle, that he didn't want me around the team and that when I was on his team, I was someone that he would protect. But now that I'm not, there's not much he can do about it. And there were prospective students, parents that were concerned that if there were there was a lesbian coach that their daughter might catch the gay or whatever it might be because you know people might think it's contagious or whatever it was but for some reason they didn't want me around what do you remember about that time bonnie oh i remember that well because she called me in tears and i remember just being so angry and yet not knowing what to do with it Mm. you know not to you know, I didn't want to be a helicopter parent. I didn't want to intervene. And I didn't know what I should do. And I also, you know, worked for Mennonite College. And I understood where they were at at that point in time with their mm. hiring policies. And it broke my heart. I was I was angry because she was hurt. She was deeply hurt. And, you know, I just... I had a nephew that was on the board, and I thought about talking to him, but I didn't. And I thought, you know, I got to keep my boundaries, and I got to let her fight, fight her own fights. And but I was, I was deeply hurt because I thought, you know, she was good enough to play, but not good enough to be a volunteer, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. coach. What did you tell Katie? What did I tell Katie? Yeah, I don't recall that Kate very well. I just remember being supportive of her. I said, go back and talk to him, make sure you know you're clear. And she did, and she decided to just move on with her life. I just always supported her, but I remember, again, back in those days, it was like, 
you know, I knew she was lesbian. I was proud of her for coming out and being strong and being gutsy, but I figured it would close some doors in her world. Mm-hmm. And this was one of those doors that I saw going closed because of it. And it, it just hurt. And I just wish so much society, you know, and us as a church, Mennonite church could have been more open mm-hmm. and accepting. And I think we're getting there. We're going the right direction, but at that time it was very hurtful. Yeah. I've heard her say in interviews since then, Bonnie, that as hard as that time was to, as you said, to to feel that door close on her, in a way, she wouldn't be where she is now if it hadn't, because she said that that kind of ended her love of basketball for the time being and reignited her love of football. And as you mentioned, led her to, to put on the pads for the first time as an adult. Yeah, I was just so proud of her to not become ballistic over it. Yeah, she was hurt and she was angry, but she was able to move on. And now in perspective, she does see that that door closed, possibly for a reason. Mm. But another one opened that led to greater things and more in line with her true passions of her lifetime, football. So she's playing football, as you mentioned. She's with the West Michigan Mayhem. I love the team names. You said you were a little bit uh, thrown off at first, but then you and Floyd started going to the games. What did you think? We loved the games. I remember, uh, <laughs> Kate, I remember Googling the West Michigan Mayhem football team. You know, and I Googled it, and I looked. There's a whole team there. I went back into my computer and put West Michigan Mayhem's women's football team. <laughs> picture came up and I'm like wow (laughs) big women on this team that really (laughs) it just shocked me because I thought I see small girls you know playing and Mm -hmm. and one one of my nieces did the exact same thing she thought I must have the men's team and she went back and googled nope that was the women's team wrong (laughs) women (laughs) so were you a little bit scared for Katie's uh Katie's well-being then I was for both of you. One of the first games we went to, Liz got, she received the ball from a kickoff and then got tackled hard. And we could Mm. hear it, you know, crack, smash. Oh, boy. So I was kind of worried. And and they've had injuries. Kate had a dislocated hip and a shoulder. And, you know, they've had injuries on football, but it didn't stop them. (laughs) I love that. Well, same thing, Bonnie. I mean, we talked about it with you earlier, a mom supporting her really athletic daughters. But... It wasn't always it wasn't always a thing for for dads to be as supportive of their athletic daughters as as maybe it is now. But Floyd always always loved it too when they were growing up. Always, always, and you know it was. We just used to tease him. You know, he was he would be kind of like, well, the Heston Record wanted to talk to me about you know the girls, and we said. They wanted to talk to you, or you did you go into the? <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> He was not afraid, and he was so proud of them, and he loved getting their story out. And uh, he would talk to anyone who'd listen about them, and everyone who knew him knew how proud he was of the girls and their athletic abilities. I love that. Okay, so let's get back to, to Katie's story, because it just it just gets better. And I wonder if she got this now from Dad, because she's playing football, as you mentioned, but football's not paying the bills. She's got to pay the bills. So she actually goes back to basketball. She starts coaching a fifth grade girls team. And one of those players just happens to be the daughter of Chiefs GM Scott Pioli. 
What do you remember about that time? I remember going to those games. Floyd and I would go, come up to Kansas City, watch her coach. And, you know, she was she was kind of excited that Scott Pioli's daughter was on her team. And he, he would come to the games, and we met him. And, you know, they just really formed a bond. And he knew how passionate she was about football. When I first saw her after practice, pick up my daughter and saw her, and she made point to introduce herself and we talked and, uh, and I started to say my name no I know exactly who you are because I was the general manager of the Chiefs at the time and uh, she says yeah I'm a big fan and she started talking a little bit about football so as time went on and I saw her more often she was always asking questions she says to me she says yeah you ought to see me throw sometime I said what do you mean she goes I play you should come catch one of our games and she was playing for the Kansas City Titans at the time and she started telling me more about it and then she had sent me some of her you know, highlight tapes, and so we just got into the, there was this dialogue going on. I remember, you know, something about when he was back in Atlanta, she sent him a video or something of her throwing the football and said, just in case you need a quarterback, remember <laughs> me? And he said something, well, well, I think we have a pretty good one out here in Atlanta. <laughs> they kind of tease each other back and forth, but he opened the door for her to go to Atlanta, really the opportunity of a lifetime. It took a little while um, and, and in terms of when I got with the Falcons, in terms of getting the uh, everybody on board, and then finally uh, the year came where they decided that, hey, this is a good idea, and then Kyle Shanahan, who was our offensive co coordinator at the time, was 100% on board and having her work on the offensive side of the ball. I was worried about it because she had a great job here. She was with uh, Parks and Recreation. She had a leadership role. She had her own home. And then to, just to leave all that and go to become an intern in the NFL was a little scary for me. But she's gutsy. And Scott supported her. So she really got to put one foot in the door of the NFL organization. Scott has been like a second father to her, I think, as you know, and a true mentor. She can call him anytime. He gives great advice. He's really pulling for her. She was fortunate that she got to meet Kyle Shanahan while she was in Atlanta, and he extended her opportunity at San Francisco because I, I think he believed she had the talent to add value to the team here. We got her in for the internship um, through training camp, and um, I, mean, I love having Katie around, loved her the year I had her in Atlanta. Some of the coaches came to me at the end of it and um, told me how much she's helped. And if there was a spot for her to keep her around, they, that she has a role and she can help them. Gave her a role and she's done a hell of a job. And so she's been able to learn from the best. How did she find out that, that as the internship was coming to an end, they were going to keep her on staff, Bonnie? I read somewhere that actually 49ers GM John Lynch told her on the sidelines of the Niners preseason game in Kansas City, of all places, back in 2017. Is that true? That's exactly right. That's when she got the final sheet. When she was in her internship at San Francisco, um, I remember her saying that a number of the coaches said they really wish they could keep her on. And then she didn't think that was going to happen, so she brought all her bags home and everything, and she was she was coaching there, and we were down on the sidelines, and she came up and said, Mom, Dad, they've offered me a full-time position as an assistant coach at San Francisco. We were just out of our minds excited, and that's where she, that's where she found out, and she was going back. She wasn't staying. She 
repacked, and I think her and Liz got in a car and drove back to San Francisco. <laughs> and so <laughs> I love that. I was hoping that there was some truth to that story, but I wasn't sure. There was truth. Absolutely. Oh. I remember it well, and, and I had a couple friends in the audience that I had to go and say, guess what? Katie is staying with the Niners for another <laughs> year. So they oh. were, they were late. I'll, I'll never forget that when she learned. Yeah, what what emotions are, you know, you experiencing? Hearing your daughter's excitement, knowing all the hard work, the sacrifices she's made, just to get a chance and then to continue getting opportunities. I have been nothing but supportive of her. I think I'm supportive and Floyd was supportive because she has the personality to do this. She has the ability to bring people together. You know, she sees potential. She believes in people. She she can let some things just, you know, go. I think she's got the personality to succeed in the NFL. And I believe that about her all along. And I think she has so much to add. And part of that, Kate, to me, is her ability to read people. She's intuitive. I've told people at work, and I have a master's in psych mental health, but she could read people much better than I can. I can hello. And she'll say, Mom, what's the matter? And I'll say, Kate, I've been at work all day and no one has asked me, no one's noticed. And you, you pick it up when I say hello. She brings that, I think, to the players. She can read them. And her coaches, she's just intuitive about how people are feeling and she cares. And I think she can add that, too, along with her knowledge of the game. Well, I don't think there's any doubt about that because before we started chatting today, Bonnie, I was listening back to all the wonderful things that the players did say about Katie. This year that, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo called her special, loves her feistiness. She's been tremendous. Katie was here before I was, but what she does with the receivers, all the skill position guys, how she interacts with them, it's uh, it's special. I mean, she's feisty, man. Katie's, Katie's awesome out there. She'll get after the guys. I mean, it's just, it's fun to be around. What's your reaction to those comments? Oh, I just love them. When I hear that, <laughs> I'm like, Jimmy, <laughs> that's just music to my ears. And, you know, I truly believe he means it, and that, you know, they are a team and they're they're a family and they support each other. And I think they believe in each other. And I'm, I'm confident the players believe in her. And that's very special. And I imagine as her story gains, well, even more visibility and traction when she became the first woman to coach in a Super Bowl that, that actually featured a commercial focused on her a few weeks ago, that more and more people, I imagine, have started reaching out to her. Oh, my goodness, Kate. I'm almost overwhelmed because <laughs> mm. I know she is. I mean, she gets so many emails and letters, and she doesn't have an assistant. And she, you know, it's just she wants, she doesn't want to respond back to everybody, but I just can't. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, and everywhere we go, people know her. And this is just, this is new to me. It's like, oh, oh my goodness, this is a different <laughs> world, you know. But I think she's handling it with grace, and she's trying to respond. To the ones that she feels like, I really need to respond here. You know, and she does, mm-hmm. but I don't think she feels like she can do justice to all the people who wish her well and reach out, and especially the young young girls and boys. What has her reaction been to those when, when you've seen her, you know, opening letters and reading emails? Liz was over in California right after the Super Bowl, and Liz and Kate FaceTimed Floyd and me with a letter and a picture of a little girl, and 
Katie started reading the letter and she couldn't finish. She was in tears and Liz mm-hmm. had to finish the letter about how much Katie's role modeling has meant to them and they believe their daughter can do any, everything she wants to do too. This little picture of this little girl holding weights, lifting weights. <laughs> and <laughs> Katie just broke into tears. It was it touched her deeply to know that she can make an impact on some of these young lives. And to see dad so as caring as this dad was and a girl dad, you know, loving his daughter and knowing she can do what she wants to do. Mm. To see your daughter, Bonnie, after she was rejected for a job because of who she was all those years ago, now having such an impact because of that very thing, right? Because she's simply being herself and doing what she loves. When you sit back and, and think about that, Bonnie, where does it take you? I mean, it's just an incredible story, and I, you know, I just feel like so much of it, I don't want to say was meant to be, but it's just, there's something fortuitous about what happened in her life, and I think it was for a purpose, that some doors closed for a purpose, and others opened, and I'm grateful. Yeah, I'm just so grateful. She's just a dear. She's so dear to my heart, like my other daughters are, all of them. I'm happy for her success. I'm happy for her leadership, but I'm especially happy for her character and her desire to make the world a better place. Hmm. Well, Bonnie, we are too. This was wonderful chatting with you today. Thank you for being so giving of your time and your stories. It was a real pleasure. Oh, thank you, Kate, for asking. I appreciate you and I appreciate this opportunity to share my perspective. We all believe that uh, 49ers will be back next year. That's (laughs) going to be exciting. (laughs) That's the hope. So we'll see you again in Florida, huh? That's right, Kate. Absolutely. (laughs) Thank you so much. Mm. A few more notes uh, before we go. Bonnie shared with me after our interview that Katie recently received an apology for the way that she was treated from the president of her alma mater and that Katie accepted the apology. Bonnie says that her daughter remains really positive about her college experience at Goshen and is grateful that in 2015, Goshen adopted a new non-discrimination policy, which now allows for the hiring of gay faculty. And finally, this could have been a podcast all its own, so we weren't quite sure how to fit it into this one, but we also felt it necessary to mention that Katie's done all this trailblazing the past few years while dealing with the mental and emotional aftermath of her awesome girl dad Floyd suffering a severe stroke on Memorial Day weekend back in 2018. The stroke took Floyd's ability to speak and a lot of other things, like his ability to kick people's tails in local golf tournaments, which he did the morning that they drove up to Overland Park for that faded weekend back in 2018. But the stroke didn't take the longtime Bethel College basketball coach's ability to love and cheer for his family. Bonnie told me that it's been extremely hard on them, especially Katie, who's followed Floyd, obviously, into the coaching profession. So from all of us here at The Update, Floyd, we absolutely loved the story that Bonnie told us about your love of sharing the accomplishments of your daughters, whether the reporters came to you or it was the other way around. So we just want to say, don't you worry about the sharing from here on out. We will gladly take it from here. Coming up in the next few weeks here on The Update. The NHL trade deadline is almost here. Spring training continues down in the desert. The NFL Combine returns to Indy, while football's free agency period starts to heat up. 
We'll get into all of that with the folks in the know as my buddy Adam Copeland takes over the hosting duties here on the update for the next three weeks. I'm off to Vegas to cover the Pac-12 men's and women's basketball tournaments. And as a few of you may have heard, yep, I'm calling some NHL hockey in Chicago on International Women's Day next month on NBCSN. So I've got some responsibilities in the lead up to that as well, which means Friday going to be my last show for a little while. On it, we're going to be joined for the first time by Warriors beat writer Ethan Strauss to discuss Steph Curry's return to the Warriors and a whole lot more. All right, so that's your update for today. This pod would not have been possible without NBC Sports Bay Area and Christine Leahy's former FS1 interview show, Fair Game. That's where we got those wonderful sound bites from Katie, Scott Pioli, and Kyle Shanahan. So be sure to check out their interviews and features on Katie as well, because they are absolutely fantastic. As always, if you're enjoying the pod, we'd love for you to rate, review, subscribe, your support. It really is what keeps us going here at the Athletic Podcast Network. From all of us here at The Update, I'm Kate Scott. Thanks for listening to today's show. Hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed bringing it to you. And one last note on Bonnie. She's not just an awesome mom. She was also the longtime director of nursing at Heston College. And just last month, they named a building after her. That's right, the Bonnie Sowers Nursing Center now at Heston College. So if you're ever in the area, be sure to check it out. Bonnie, thanks again for the time. Have a great rest of your day, everybody. We'll talk to you again on Friday. (music) 